Howdy, and welcome to Wise About Texas, your award-winning Texas history podcast. This is your host, Ken Wise. Thanks very much for tuning in today. We're going to talk uh, a little Texas history. This podcast is being released in the late summer 2022. It's uh, been hot and dry all summer, but we finally got a little rain, and I uh, hope you got some of it. Uh, we don't want any hurricanes, but we'll take uh, all the rain that we can get. I want to wish uh, all the students a happy and blessed school year as school starts to go back. Mine are started now, and uh, I know there are a lot of teachers all over the state using this podcast in their classes, which I appreciate very much. I hope it's helpful. Let me know, teachers, at host at wiseabouttexas.com, what you'd like to hear about. And uh, I always love visiting classrooms around the state. It's one of the things this podcast has afforded me the opportunity to do. So if uh, you want me to come speak to your class, uh, shoot me an email, host at wiseabouttexas.com, and we'll see if we can work something out. Today, we're going to talk about, uh, this is part one of a pretty interesting story. It's a story about a doctor with a rather strange medical practice, and it ends up with media and culture being changed forever in the United States. So we're going to go back to the early 1900s and get wise about Texas. Our story starts in Kansas. Now, that's an odd place for a Texas history story to begin, but we need to meet the central character, and his name is Dr. John Romulus Brinkley. Brinkley was born in 1885. He was born in the hills of North Carolina. He grew up poor, but managed to finish high school. He always wanted to be a doctor, and legend has it that he showed up at Johns Hopkins Medical School and was rejected because he was dressed like a hillbilly, or rather, I should say, dressed like the hillbilly that he was. Legend also has it that he was invited to medical school at the Milton Academy, and Brinkley claims he graduated, although, of course, there are no records of his graduation at Milton Academy. So you might start to see a theme emerge here. Brinkley had delusions of grandeur, to put it mildly, um, mainly consisting of an overestimation of his own abilities. And he really wanted to be a doctor so he could save people. In fact, there's a quote from Brinkley himself saying, quote, I thought of John Brinkley illuminating the world. John Brinkley facing an assassin's bullet for the sake of his people. John Brinkley freeing the slaves. John Brinkley healing the sick, close quote. So if you're beginning to figure out that Brinkley had um, issues, uh, so to say, so to speak, you are on the right track. Well, he got married in 1907, and he and his wife invented a little medicine show pretending to be Quakers. Now, this is this era um, in early 1900s was an era of patent medicine and vaudeville. Um, so Brinkley and his wife would go around singing and dancing, putting on what amounts to a little play, and selling medicinal tonic. Um, and John Brinkley was really a showman and a salesman at heart. But finally, he declared himself ready for medical school. Now, back in these times, there were two types of medicine taught, um, allopathy and eclectic medicine. Allopathy, I guess I'm pronouncing that right, was based on science, was based on drugs developed in laboratories, and based on surgery. In other words, the medicine that we're all familiar with. Eclectic medicine, though, was more about herbal remedies and what the American Medical Association would describe 
as, quote, old grandmother and witch doctor treatments, close quote. But hey, it was cheaper and easier to go to an eclectic school than to go to an AMA-approved medical school. So Brinkley attended Bennett Eclectic Medical School in Chicago. He went to school during the day, and he worked as a Western Union telegraph operator at night. He also drank a lot. Um, He never finished that medical school, as a matter of fact, but it didn't really matter because for $100, he got a diploma from the Eclectic Medical University of Kansas City. So Brinkley was finally the doctor he had always wanted to be. Now all he needed was something to sell. So at one point, he held a job as a physician and clerk, that was his title, in a meatpacking plant. Uh, He did a short, unpleasant stint in the Army in El Paso. And he finally spotted an ad from the small city of Milford, Kansas, that a doctor was needed for the town. Now, he was under the impression that Milford was a town of 2,000 people, but he was wrong. It was actually a town of 200 people. Um, and he still was looking for something that was going to make him rich and famous. Well, one day in Milford, an old farmer walked in complaining of, um, I'm going to put this, this is a G-rated podcast, complaining of his inability to fully perform as a man. Well, Brinkley informed him uh, that he had tried multiple remedies to no avail. Uh, The farmer reportedly made a comment to Brinkley, that said that something along the lines of uh, the farmer wishing he had the equipment and stamina of a billy goat. And the light bulb went off in Brinkley's head. Now, the exact story is lost to history, but Brinkley may have offered this farmer some money to allow Brinkley to experiment on him. And he did. And what he did was he implanted the male sex organs of a goat into the farmer. And that's all I'll say. We'll call it the goat gland operation. Um, The farmer reported a successful resolution of his problem. And Brinkley was off to the races. He built a new clinic in Milford that he called the Brinkley Institute of Health. And he promoted other entities like the Brinkley Hospital, the Brinkley Research Laboratory, and other non-existent institutions. But primarily, he became a huge success. He ended up with his goat gland operation. He ended up funding lots of infrastructure in Milford, which made him a leading citizen. Not hard to do when there's only 200 people. He brought electric lights to Milford. He built a new building for the bank. Um, Now, there was a little bit of uh, consternation from the state health department because Brinkley stabled his uh, donor goats at his hospital. Uh, So not very sanitary. He, uh, Brinkley funded a little league team in Milford called appropriately the Brinkley goats. Um, he, (laughs) one story has it that he bought a bear because he was going to start a zoo in Milford, but the bear kept him up at night. So Brinkley just shot it. Um, he built a new church in Milford and he wanted to name the church after himself. Uh, but the town thought that might be a step too far. So he had to settle for a plaque. Um, and the plaque honored, uh, Brinkley's version of the Holy Trinity, the Father, Son, and Dr. Brinkley. Um, All right, so that's John Brinkley making uh, huge amounts of money with his goat gland rejuvenation. Well, now let's jump to another facet of America at this time, and that's radio. 
radio was the new mass medium in America. Broadcast radio originated in the United States about 1906. In 1921, there were eight radio stations in, in the United States. In 1922, one year later, there were 564. That's how popular it was. So with radio, for the first time, the world came into your living room and events could be broadcast as they actually happened. Now, I cannot overstate how much this changed the world. Um, I myself grew up without computers, without the Internet. I had a black and white TV. I remember the invention of the first personal computer and the first cable television stations, by the way. But I have never known a world without radio. None of us have. We still use it. We got AM, you know, AM and FM. We now have satellite radio. Podcasts have uh, become tremendously popular. Why? Because they mimic radio. So this was a world-changing cultural shift. And like any new medium, it was tremendously powerful. In 1924, there were $358 million invested in radio equipment. That's over $6 billion today. Um, what families would do at night is gather around the radio. Um, and many of you listening to this podcast may remember those days. The radio was the source of all knowledge in the world, as far as listeners were concerned. Well, America tried to, the United States tried to organize and regulate the airwaves, and they worked with Canada on this task, and they allocated frequencies and all that sort of thing. But Mexico was left out. Um, now, this is significant, of course, because radio waves don't recognize international borders. And if two programs are on the same radio frequency, the listeners would hear whichever was the most powerful signal. Signal. Well, Brinkley, Dr. Brinkley understood, being a salesman, understood the power of radio. And like many businesses of the day, he started his own radio station. He got a broadcast license in Kansas, and he started uh, a radio station, KFKB, which he said stood for Kansas First, Kansas Best. Well, the way you measured success of a radio station in those days was how much listener mail came in. And more than 3,000 letters a day came to Brinkley's office. In fact, so much that Brinkley had to build a new post office in Milford for the town. Um, he would get on the air and read listener mail and prescribe remedies over the radio, uh, many of which, not so coincidentally, he sold. And, of course, he promoted his fantastic goat gland medical breakthrough procedure, and life was good. But eventually, quack medicine, and that's, that's what you got to call it, uh, came under pressure. The president of the American Medical Association was a guy named Dr. Morris Fishbein, and he was on a crusade against the patent medicine hawkers and the charlatans. And so Dr. John Brinkley was squarely in Fishbein's sights. Brinkley's uh, radio station was approved, uh, eventually approved, to broadcast at 5,000 watts. At the same time, however... Um, the authorities denied the same privilege to uh, the Kansas City Star, who a newspaper who wanted to have a radio station. So the Star ran uh, a hit piece or series on Brinkley uh, with information provided by Fishbein designed to discredit Brinkley. Well, eventually, uh, Brinkley's radio license was revoked for being a charlatan. Then the medical board took his Kansas medical license. He appealed the revocation of the radio license and just, um, 
and decided, just came to the decision, you know what, if he can't beat him, join him. So he ran for governor. Now, Brinkley, uh, again, a little bit of an overestimation of his own abilities, but he didn't win that race. Uh, and when he didn't win, that was kind of the last straw for Brinkley in Kansas. And he decided that it was time to move on. So Brinkley had to find a way that he could uh, continue with the powerful medium of radio selling his goat gland operations, uh, but still, uh, you know, without having his own radio station. Now, remember, uh, I mentioned that the U.S. and Canada had been working on organizing the radio frequencies and had totally left Mexico out. Mexico was trying to... um, negotiate with the U.S. government, and they were getting nowhere. Um, so uh, with the U.S. government unwilling to accommodate Mexico, Mexico just decided they would broadcast on any radio frequency they felt like. Well, Brinkley must have learned this because he decided to go down to Mexico and negotiate with the government for to allow him to build a very powerful radio station on the Mexican side of the border. So this is now we're up to 19... 19- 31. Um, so that looked great to Mexico because uh, they could sort of thumb their nose at the United States. So uh, Brinkley picked the city of Acuna, which is across the river from Del Rio in the state of Coahuila, and uh, commenced to construct what would become the most powerful radio station in the world. And its, its call letters were XER. Um, the authorities in Del Rio were more than happy to have the famous Dr. John Brinkley uh, down there bringing business to the area. So he opened, uh, eventually opened a, a hospital in Del Rio. But to build his, let's talk about his radio station. So he, he hired a, an engineer from Fort Worth named Will Branch. And XER was going to be a 50,000 watt radio station. Uh, Brinkley spent about 175000 uh, to build it. Now, the six vacuum tubes that he used to power this station were $36,000 by themselves. Now, this is 1931 money. The towers, of course, a key to any radio station. The ta- he built two towers for the antennas. They were 300 feet tall. No one had ever seen anything like this. And he oriented the antennas toward the United States. In other words, the signal was going to be uh, broadcast directly toward the United States. Now, the signal would travel better at night. So XER went on the air uh, from sunset to sunrise. And uh, when he got it up and running in October 1931, Brinkley's XER could be heard in every single state in the United States and 15 other countries. Well, you can imagine what the, what that did to the radio stations in the United States. Uh, there were a ton of complaints. Um, the The frequency uh, that XER was on is was seven thirty five uh, kilohertz, which is uh, seven thirty five a.m. and it was right between two uh, very large stations, WSB in Atlanta and WGN in Chicago, and they were none too happy. Um, So the United States government protested to Mexico. So I I suppose Mexico must have thought, well, you know, uh, we got your attention, (laughs) didn't we? So um, by 1932, instead of uh, doing anything about it, 
Mexico announced that it had authorized Brinkley and XAR to go to 500,000 watts. That would have been uh, the most powerful radio station uh, in the world. However, um, the Mexican government, uh, not everyone in the Mexican government was on the same page. And uh, a lot of people didn't like the fact that this powerful radio station was in the hands of an American. Um, they didn't want him. They, they started fining Brinkley for broadcasting in English, um, et cetera, and Brinkley just ignored them. Um, so finally, Mexican federal troops uh, seized the building and shut down the station for over a year. Um, so the way Brinkley handled that was he would lease time on other Mexican radio stations. And then eventually he restructured his company to get around Mexican regulations. And uh, he set up a new company with uh, a, a, the head of the company was a restaurant owner. Uh, but of course, Brinkley was in full control. Um, he ended up in the Mexican court system. The Mexican judge uh, decided that uh, the new owner was not responsible for the fines of the previous owner. So Brinkley was back on the air by 1935. He, um, he, he called his new station XERA, um, and he got a new frequency. Now, this frequency uh, interfered with WWL in New Orleans and KOA in Denver. Um, so same problem, uh, same song, different verse. Uh, in the meantime, he had an engineer that uh, was building a new transmitter to accommodate the 500,000-watt station. And he, he actually built two, trans, two 250,000-watt transmitters um, and using some new vacuum tube technology. So Brinkley was back on the air and uh, more powerful than ever. Um, the... When the sun went down and the radio station cranked up, uh, they regularly exceeded the 500,000-watt limit, going up to as much as 520,000 watts. Another little bit of engineering they did was to construct a third antenna, which uh, created some antenna gain. You engineers out there will understand that. I am not one. But uh, it basically doubled XERA's output. So the signal that was going to the United States was effectively a million watts. So now we got Dr. John Brinkley, quack, who's implanting uh, goat glands into men all over the country. Uh, he gets run out of Kansas and sets up shop in, uh, or sets up the radio station, most powerful radio station in the world, in Mexico, the slang term we use for the radio stations is called border blaster. Blasts a million, effectively a million watt signal all over the United States and several other countries, driving uh, thousands and thousands of people to his clinics for this goat gland operation. He built a hospital in Del Rio, as I mentioned. He also built a, a huge mansion in Del Rio, which stands to this day, called the Brinkley Mansion. And, uh, for Dr. John Brinkley, life was good. In part two, we're going to talk about what was on these radio stations because though he did not intend to do it, all John Brinkley wanted to do was sell goat gland operations. He inadvertently changed American music and media forever. 
Well, that wraps it up for part one of Heard It on the X. In part two, we'll talk about the programming of these radio stations and how it would change American culture. In the meantime, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WiseAboutTexas. If you have a minute, leave a five-star review at Apple Podcasts. It helps people find the show. And if you'd like to support the preservation and promotion of Texas history, go to patreon.com slash wiseabouttexas. Thanks for listening to this part one, and stay tuned. Part two will be coming soon. In the meantime, go out and do something for Texas today. And until next time, God bless Texas, and we'll see you down the road.